Hi, this is Unsuitable with Mary B. Seyfried, the podcast where I interview single Christians about their lives and faith. Hey, y'all. This episode features Stephen Simmons. Stephen has been telling stories on stage, in front of camera, and over a microphone for most of his life. He grew up in the church and always knew he wanted to use his skill set for the kingdom of God. But how exactly that would happen has transformed over the years. He currently lives in Columbia, South Carolina, but is on a team preparing to plant a church in Charlotte, North Carolina. I love the perspective Stephen shares about his creative work and how his faith informs his understanding of ambition. Hey, Stephen, what's up? Hi, not much, just hanging out. Hanging out on a podcast. Well, welcome to this podcast. Thank you. Very excited for you to be here. Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Will you tell the listeners where you are calling in from? I keep using this phrase, calling in from, and I really <laughs> wish I had a different one. Radioing because in. it's Right. It's not really like that. But where are you <laughs> located as you are on your computer with a microphone talking I to me? I am audibly descending from Columbia, South Carolina. It is... Uh, affectionately referred to as the armpit of South Carolina because of how hot and humid it is almost all the time. Uh, Nice. Love that. I love, um, you know, sometimes it gets humid here, but I also grew up in the South and it's just like next level down there. And if Columbia is like even more next level, I can't (laughs) even imagine. But at least I feel like it would maybe keep your skin nice and hydrated, which is, you know, something. Silver lining, I guess. Certainly a silver lining that is hard to see from here, but (laughs) yes, I suppose so. (laughs) Um, Well, uh, thank you for making the time. I would love to start off um, with you telling me about an average day. What's an average day for you look like right now? Yeah, well, you know, right now it feels like average anything is non-existent, you know, but I I think that uh, what I have created the the sort of new normal, if you will, of my Mm -hmm. average day in these, in these, these times would be, uh, I wake up, always a good thing to start that way. I, Mm -hmm. I try to spend my mornings intentionally reading. I I usually do a thing where I do a, a Psalm and a proverb a day, and then it works out very well because there's 31 proverb chapters. So you just do a proverb chapter a day, and then I do a psalm a day, and then I do whatever the reading reading plan is that I'm on. I'm going through this Bible in a year thing right now, but um, just start off the day reading, and then I um, get up. I try to spend some time outside. Um, I really uh, value just being uh, quiet and not inside and on a screen immediately. <laughs> so uh, just starting off my day outside, cup of coffee, uh, maybe a book, maybe that's where I'm I'm doing my morning uh, scripture reading. And then, um, and then I kick off my day of work. Right now I'm working from home like many people. Um, and I do my typical work things. Uh, for lunch, I usually uh, go on a long walk, take my lunch with me, and I walk around the neighborhood. Um, sometimes I'm uh, virtually zooming in or, or FaceTiming in with a friend to do lunch that way. And, um, mm-hmm. in the evening I'm, I'm very, uh, I recharge by being around people. Um, and so I, which has of course been a nightmare over the last mm-hmm. few months because <laughs> that's not really what we're supposed to be doing. Right. So, uh, I kind of have, I kind of went that strategy of like, this is my cell. Like these are my like three people that I will be around and no one else, Mm -hmm. Um, which, you know, pros and cons to that. But I kind of try to spend my evening doing something with someone. And sometimes it's virtually and sometimes it's face to face with the proper distance and all that stuff. But uh, doing something with someone in my life um, to kind of recharge and then, kind of woven throughout there. I've got my little creative projects that I'm working on on the side, whether it's a video project or a, or a audio project or whatever it may be. Um, kind of getting that in where I can. Yeah. I'm interested to hear. Um, so I am an introvert and mm-hmm. so this has, this kind of season of quarantine has had its own pros and cons for me as an oh, introvert, sure. but I'm yeah. interested in hearing, cause you sound like an extrovert. If you notice a difference in like how much, uh, an interaction will recharge you 
um, Mm -hmm. between like hanging out virtually and hanging out in person? Yeah. So I, uh, you know, certainly more extroverted than, than introverted. I've taken, you know, I don't really know what the, the test would be, but some tests put me on like that sort of ambivert term where it's like, mm-hmm. depending on the situation, I'm introverted or extroverted, but I mm-hmm. certainly tick more towards the E end of that spectrum. And uh, in terms of like the four or five love languages, however many of those there are out there. I think there are five. Five of them. My top one is quality time. And so uh, it's not really, uh, what is not restful for me is going to a party every night, you know, where there's a lot of people and Mm -hmm. a lot of loud noises and a lot of stimulation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Being around people to me is like, it's me and like three to five other people and we're just doing something together. It could be a board game. It could be a movie night. It could be we're all reading in the same room together. Mm-hmm. But uh, I just, I, I want to be around people. And so, um, and uh, I like, so I have an older brother. I shared a room with him growing up. And so I never really had like a, my bedroom is my, my quiet place, you know, or my solace mm-hmm. room. I never really, mm-hmm. home was not that, you know, I grew up in a great household, but I, I just didn't really have a private place and Hmm. so kind of recharging in that kind of like um me time was always somewhere that was not home and so and that's kind of what i pointing out when when i talk about going on walks and spending time outside it's just like i can immediately feel more rested if i just go out on the porch than if i'm sitting inside just so and so that has been certainly uh egregious this time of just always mm-hmm. being quarantined is just home has never really been if i'm home typically i'm hosting something hmm. and hosting has kind of been thrown out the window <laughs> for the yeah. future it seems and so uh i uh you know uh just need to be out and doing something with even one person is great you know I mean, it sounds like in-person is the ideal. I think that that's probably true for everyone. It's definitely true for me. I notice myself like if I can, you know, make time to go on a walk with a friend and get that kind of one-on-one deep conversation, Mm -hmm. then that can, you know, sustain me for a bit. Um, But having to do like so many Zoom calls, Google Hangouts, whatever, um, I find to be very draining um, yeah. which I think most people, you know, would, would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there's just a different kind of attention that you have to pay. And, you know, you pick up so much non-verbally when you're in person, that's kind right. of impossible to get, you know, through a screen. Yeah. It, it definitely felt like, it definitely felt like a fun kind of game early on of like, Oh, we're doing all these virtual things. Yeah. And it's so great. And and now yeah. it's just kind of like, I'm kind of sick of seeing everyone through this platform. Yeah. Right. Right. Now it's our lives and we're like, Oh, yeah. this is not fun. <laughs> yeah. So as you were talking about your average day, you mentioned, you know, working your day job, working from home, but then you also mentioned some creative projects and I know your background is, you know, filmmaking video, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so can you walk me through kind of how you got into filmmaking and that, uh, that journey for you? Sure. Yeah. So I, um, I can still vividly remember, you know, there's always that kind of cliche kid conversation where like the person's like, I'm going to be this when I grow up and I'm going to, mm-hmm. I'm going to go off and do whatever. I, I remember being in the back seat, driving along, my mom's driving me along and I'm like, mom, I will be an actor when I grow up. And mm-hmm. she was like, okay, that's great. And then I remember I was like, mom, now I know that when kids say this, you're supposed to say yes. <laughs> But like, I'm going to be an actor. And I was so emphatic. And she was like, I mean, okay. And I was like, mother, listen. Like, I was just so like, stop treating me like a kid. You know, me, a kid saying, you know, like, I'm not a kid. I'm going to, you know. And I was so dead set on that for, for you know, uh, the first, you know, when I started to kind of think, I guess, for myself beyond Goo Goo Gaga or, you know, mm-hmm. mom, dad, mama, dad, dad, I uh, grew up in a church that had a pretty thriving choir theater program. And so I did a lot of church theater and I just, you know, loved it, loved being on stage, loved entertaining, loved making people laugh, all that stuff. And mm-hmm. my, uh, I think maybe it was a combination of my parents seeing that, but then also noticing that I was a pretty bossy little boy, but they got (laughs) me a camcorder for my 10th, I think 10th or 11th birthday. 
And uh, the acting so quickly transformed into directing and directing mm-hmm. actors and and being in and finding little, you know, short films I can make with my toys. And I remember the, the camcorder they got me was one that I could just plug into the TV like right after I'd shot stuff. So I'd like run to my room and make something with my Legos and then run back out and be like, watch what I made and then, you know, show this thing and doing voices and, and all this stuff. And then uh, in middle school. I guess, yeah, I would have been like the seventh grade or so is when YouTube was really kind of blowing up and, and mm-hmm. people were really kind of starting to hop on that. And so I, I made a YouTube channel in 2007 and started posting a bunch of like sketch comedy and different short films and things that I'd make with my friends and uh, was just loving that. And all the while kind of like thinking, uh, you know, wh- that I was going to, you know, go off and do filmmaking you know be a be a filmmaker and mm-hmm. and go around the world and make all these movies and stuff and and uh kind of along the way getting into kind of whatever creative endeavors i could whether that was i don't know if you ever heard of nanorimo it's like where you write like a novel in a in a month it was like this thing oh that was, yeah uh trendy back i guess in like high school for me but i i dabbled in that some like writing novels and there was a, a phase where i wanted to be a children's novelist and it's mm-hmm. kind of you know my brain kind of is on a swivel sometimes it feels but Mm-hmm. Um, I, uh, did a lot of video stuff there and, and did like a, went to an art school in high school where we, I took some film classes and, um, had all these, uh, high hopes to go off to some arts college, get my film degree and then hurdle off to whether it was New York or LA and then kind of make my, make my name for myself as this filmmaker, um, mm-hmm. And then also, I was convinced that my films were going to be the greatest Christian films that you'd ever seen. And I remember very early on, a pastor put in my head, she said, you're about to be a light in a dark industry, is the phrase that she used. And uh, at the time, when I was just a little tiny kid with a blossoming ego, I think that really Mm -hmm. kind of planted in (laughs) deep. And I kind of got this thing of like, yeah, I'm going to go be someone, but it's going to be like a Christian someone. Mm -hmm. And... uh, you know, a lot of the earlier years, uh, middle school, high school was very uh, ambitiously preparing to be this big, great thing. And uh, since then, has has uh, continued to doing video stuff, but I've also actually entered into, um, uh, I actually have a, a podcast that I have started myself. Um, and that's been going on for a few, about a year now, actually. But Nice. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to, you know, you mentioned that ambition and that like desire to, uh, for greatness. Um, Mm -hmm. I do also actually, before we get into that, want to clarify when you say, um, Christian filmmaker, Christian films, are you speaking like specifically like in a genre of Christian Mm. films? Or do you mean like a film, you wanted to be a filmmaker who is Christian? Like yeah. reaching into that kind of quote unquote dark sure. space as you were, I don't know if, if prophesied over is the right <laughs> phrasing to use there, her, but yeah, yeah. her eyes rolled yeah. back and she, no, yeah. I, uh, I think it earlier, it was like, God's not dead, but not cheesy was kind of my right. thought process or like, I'm going to make the shack, but it's like, everyone loves it. Not just Christians or like find yeah. like that perfect balance of like blank person has blank experience and then they become a Christian and the movie's so compelling. Everyone becomes a Christian, I think was initially kind of my headspace and mm-hmm. then kind of late in high school and then, and more so college, maybe even uh, that kind of, I, my brain kind of went more to a place of um, most movies that are out there. Whoever's creating the film is creating it out of their worldview, which is mm-hmm. more times than not secular or atheistic or, or whatever you want to say. So they're, I guess the way that I kind of view movies is it's like if I'm not a Christian and I make a movie, then that's my story for my world. So the world I've just created is a world without a God if my mm-hmm. worldview is that. And so in a way, when we watch a lot of movies, we're watching movies that are about worlds with no God in them. Or God is portrayed as like, oh, he's a joke, or oh, you don't really believe all that, or whatever it is. And so, then my thought kind of became, what if we're just making movies, what if I'm just making movies that are compelling, good films, but just the world in which they are is a God-ruled world, and a world where Mm -hmm. Jesus is, in fact, king in this world, and Mm -hmm. uh, it doesn't even have to be... Um, it was, there was a book that I read called the stories we tell by Mike Cosper, and he's kind of got this very cool way of viewing, um, like we as created beings of a God who is kind of the ultimate storyteller, um, and the gospel is his ultimate story. And then the stories we tell 
are all in a way little fragments of that ultimate gospel story. And so then I think my thought was creating things that are maybe more even allegorical, like a Lord of the Rings or like a, you know, something like that, where like there is a story that is more of, it's on its own story, but there are these biblical themes kind of coming out through it is kind of where I, where that kind of thought, I think, transformed and moved into. Um, Because, I mean, even if it's not a a Christian idea, if you're making a film trying to preach anything, you really turn off people that don't already buy your message, I think is what Mm -hmm. I kind of started to recognize. Like, I remember when uh, Blue People Avatar came out in high school, a lot of people got really uh, turned off by that movie because it had this pretty obvious... um, environmentalist message and not Mm -hmm. commenting on the message at all. The fact that the movie had this kind of intent behind it, I think Mm -hmm. turned off a lot of people who weren't already on board with that message. And I think that's Mm -hmm. the same way that a God's not dead is an eye rolling endeavor for anyone who doesn't already believe God is not dead. Then I Mm -hmm. think that it's only the people that are already aligned with whatever message you're trying to, you're trying to uh, sell that are going to buy into movies like that. So that's kind of what prompted the shift, I guess. Yeah. Um, You spoke about a transition from overtly Christian films with like a clear message and agenda to um, just making really good films that, Mm. that have this, you know, God infused worldview um, to kind of where you are now, which is you are still doing editing and, and all of that. Um, but it seems like filmmaking has shifted again for you. Mm-hmm. So can you kind of walk through, I guess maybe if there, like you spoke about having this ambition, having this motivation for greatness. Yeah. And I would love for you to kind of talk about how you may have walked through those competing motives as you mm-hmm. were, you know, making these shifts. Well, you know, I, I think that, what comes to my brain a lot when I think back over Stephen during high school, Stephen during college is um, a lot of what Paul's talking about in Romans seven of just that, that really detailed layout of the desires of the flesh kind of butting up against the desires of the spirit. Like I know what I should be doing and I'm not, and and I know that I should be doing this, but there's this war Mm -hmm. going on within me. And I think that, that's a less cynical way of what I used to think, which was just, I was stupid in high school. And I think that it's, <laughs> it, I, I don't think that that's really fair because I think that it's, I mean, it, it's always easier to really look at the sin that was present in our lives even now. And it's harder to look at the virtues, you know, cause I mean, mm-hmm. I, I guess I, I'll speak for myself. I'm hard, I'm very hard on myself. It's very easy for me to say in this situation, here's where all the sinful motives were present. And it's a lot harder for me mm-hmm. to say, no, no, but there were also some virtuous motives there too. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's a whole lot easier to you know highlight the negative, I guess. But in, throughout high school and and, um, and part of college, I think that I, I think that I did have good intentions in that. No, I really did want to make films with Christian messages that were going to make the word of Jesus and who He is and the truths about uh, His story known to the world. I think that was absolutely there. But I think that very intertwined with that was n- this is less so for the glory of God and more so for the glory of Stephen. Like, I want to tell mm-hmm. this story, but I want it to be look at how good Stephen is at making these movies. And I wanted Stephen to be on the front of Christianity today. Mm-hmm. And I wanted Stephen to be this, like, he, the Steven Spielberg is the secular one and Stephen Simmons is the Christian <laughs> one. You know, like, it was right. very, um, I, I I think it I didn't really think twice about the fact that, you know, what is it? It's like the Westminster Catechism says that man's chief end is to enjoy God and glorify him forever. It's like I mm-hmm. wanted to uh enjoy the things that interested me and glorify myself forever, I think. <laughs> um was was uh um kinda where what was going on in the background there. And so uh I wanted to make very good Christian movies so that it reflected well on me, less so that it reflected up. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, even as I talk, I think there's a part of me that's just kind of like, am I being too harsh on myself? And maybe I am, because I'm still kind of thinking through a lot of that mm-hmm. and those years and stuff. But um, I know that uh, also during high school, middle school, there's very much uh, as enmeshed as I was in the home community that I grew up in, in the faith tradition that I grew up in. I, I was born and raised Presbyterian and I, 
you know, my own thinking and my own walking through and wrestling with the things of God uh, is hard to differentiate what is my own thought and what is my parents' thought and what is my home church's mm-hmm. thought as I'm growing up. And it really does kind of take that leaving the house, leaving the nest, going to a new place and starting to really think about myself and really have that, do I believe this? Uh, mm-hmm. Do I truly want to follow Jesus? Or was it just that was what the friend group was and that was what mm-hmm. my family was saying? This is what we do. And mm-hmm. so, and I think that in high school, uh, it was much more uh, performative. It was much more, I want to be that really awesome Christian kid. And it was less, mm-hmm. I want to be Mary at the feet of Jesus, learning to be like him, learning to walk like him, learning to serve like him. Um, mm-hmm. It was more, uh, I want to be, I, I'm the the, you know, the disciple riding with Jesus, like, hey, which one of us is going to be sitting beside you in heaven? You know, like <laughs> I wanted to be yeah. the acclaimed yeah. one more. Right. Um, and so I guess that uh, in college, um, well, I guess a, a funny thing happened when I was, I, I said that I wanted to go to art schools and I wanted to, um, you know, go and, and, take get the film degree and then go off to the to the film cities or whatever but uh this weird thing was happening that i was experiencing i did not understand where every time we went to an art school and toured it i just felt this disconnect and this cold and this apathy mm-hmm. this indifference towards it i guess and mm-hmm. i just it had all the best equipment that I'd ever seen and the teachers there like i i toured a lot of schools in north carolina that have like really good programs and really great staff and people who had worked directly on like really big projects and had like brought big names to the campus to like talk to students mm-hmm. and like the schools to go to. And I just felt so like, this doesn't feel right. And yeah. it was weird because it was the culmination of everything I thought I was learning and training to do. But uh, all the while, my mom was like, why don't we also just tour some state schools? Let's just tour some state schools. And I was like, no, mom, are you kidding me? You know, <laughs> I'm an artist. I can't, I can't stay in South Carolina. Are you kidding me? You know? Um, and so, but we ended up touring the University of South Carolina, which had originally been dead last on my list. Cause I, uh, we used to Columbia, South Carolina. All it was, was the pit stop when we were on our way to visit my grandmother in Savannah, you know, like it was just mm-hmm. this cement hot, just gas mm-hmm. stations and a Starbucks. It's like, I don't care about, the, you know? <laughs> and so USC was at the dead last on my list, but my mom was like, just, let's just look at it. And so we went and much to my fury, I fell in love with it on the first visit. Like we are touring this and I was like it, this battle of like, why do I feel so pulled to this school and this stupid city? Yeah. Like it was just, the more I saw, the more that I was like, I think I should go here. And I, looking back on this, I fully think that God was working hard right there in ways that mm-hmm. I did not see or want to see at the time. But just this bizarre, the stuff I've always wanted to do feels so cold to me and this stuff that i was resisting with with white knuckles is suddenly seems like the the thing to do so fast forward fast forward i'm suddenly a freshman at the university of south carolina much to my chagrin (laughs) and uh pretty early on i get plugged in at this uh church called midtown fellowship and they are this very uh their kind of motto is jesus-centered family on mission they put a lot of emphasis on small groups and and how a lot of the the work of the church gets done through these these uh these groups of um you know they they have like men's groups and women's groups and then they also have like married couples groups but just really the emphasis is on small groups and like doing life together and being family together and and living kind of like that sort of local church is described in acts of like meeting in homes and reading scripture together and praying together and serving together and it's all very kind of like family-esque i guess and mm-hmm. so it was through that that I learned a lot about um, being vulnerable and being honest about sin in our lives and, and really confessing and not just confessing, uh, but also repenting. Because after a while, uh, and this is something I can continue to struggle with, but just confessing sin can just kind of become an exercise in narcissism because I'm just talking about myself a lot and not doing anything about mm-hmm. it. And so I, I think that's where I learned, oh, no, repentance is also very important, but also uh, – reconciliation and just all these things that are integral to the gospel, but that just uh, really when my, most of my life had just kind of been head knowledge and do I know enough Bible facts and like how, how good am I at sword drills? Can I flip to Peter first Peter fast enough? You know, like Mm -hmm. it was all head knowledge and this was more kind of heart, heart stuff. And I guess as that was happening and as I was really stepping into my own 
genuinely personal relationship with Jesus and learning what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus and to actually live like he lived and like he and his disciples laid out in the, in the gospels. It's like, uh, I think that was where I started to see how off my motives had been and how self-serving they had been. And also at the same time, I think that God was really just kind of revealing to me how prideful I am and how, uh, and how that ambition can be a very good thing. And, you know, I certainly think if you read the book of Acts, Paul is probably the most ambitious person in the Bible, you know, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, like there is ambition is absolutely not sinful, but I know that for me, where I was at that point was, uh, my my pridefulness is too intertwined with this and wants to turn it into self-seeking. And so he really kind of turned my gaze to the local church and to uh, what does it look like to just really look at where you are? And a phrase that our church used was, was just to bloom where you're planted and just to see, I'm here in this place. What can I do to be a godly, uh, Jesus-reflecting man in my community here, with my neighbors here, with my coworkers here? Uh, using my skills here. And so, uh, you know, my first year out of college, again, you told me this when I was in high school and I would have had a heart attack, but my first year out of mm-hmm. college, I was working at that local church in their communications mm-hmm. department, creating graphics and videos and things for them, mm-hmm. pu- purely with the focus of I'm not making videos to to shock the world and to make the whole world fall on their faces and know Jesus. I'm making mm-hmm simple video projects that serve my church body right now. And uh, the scope of my video's reach is just college students that we want to go on our mission trip, you know? And mm-hmm. um, and the focus and the purpose behind what I was doing had shifted so much, but it has been so transformative in my life and so helpful and shining a spotlight just on yeah, just where the different places that kind of ego had kind of seeped in and, and where the glory was was more uh, me-focused rather than God-focused. And so I think that where I'm at now is uh, figuring out, okay, what does it look like to continue to lean into my skill set and lean into these ways that I have, you know, I think through God's providence, I have been cultivating in my life and honing these crafts that I've been honing. How can I continue to use these gifts to serve uh, my community, and then also, what does it look like to uh, engage in projects that are further reaching? Because I don't think it's a sin to create something that is seen by many. You know, like I don't think mm-hmm. that's inherently bad. You know, I think that it can be a a beautiful thing. But just looking like looking at what does it look like to create projects that are more widely distributed and and are do have a larger reach, but looking at that through the lens of this is not about me, and also the world's going to be okay without me. You know, like if I, mm. if I don't make my big films, if I don't, if, uh, you know, this podcast that I started doesn't become, you know, number one on spirituality on iTunes or whatever, like that's okay. And God is still God. Mm-hmm. Jesus does not fall off the throne because I don't make my movies, you know, like Jesus is where Jesus is. Mm-hmm. He sat down and he's going to stay there and just mm-hmm. recognizing that I can make, I can make these projects and I can work towards being creative and 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 finding new ways to apply my skills uh, in ways that glorify God, but always just recognizing that, um, yeah, it's not about me and it's not about Stephen being on a billboard. I feel like I totally relate to that sense of ambition that is good versus ambition that's all about I mm. want to be like you know, a household name or whatever. I want mm-hmm. my, like for me um, currently, you know, my book to hit whatever markers <laughs> beyond whatever list and yeah. um, all that kind of stuff. And so I think there's a sense of, you know, something that I'm kind of walking through still in my, as a creative is, you know, um, kind of letting go of this idea that to be, a Christian creative um, is to like go out and do some big thing for God um, mm. when there's so much value in kind of the, the practice of staying put mm-hmm. um, and really like focusing in and narrowing down and, and starting with that really small personal, like person to person relational view of, of what, you know, God is calling me to. Um, as a creative and um, 
again, there's nothing wrong with thinking of like, God has given me a message that he wants me to share. And so I obviously want as many people as possible to uh, benefit from that. Um, But there's also like the ego that kind of, for me, gets caught up in that, um, that sense of, but I want people to think that I am good Mm -hmm. and I am smart and I'm like insightful and, you know, Mm -hmm. all of this other stuff, as opposed to like, I want to share this message because God has invited me to participate in his good work on this Mm -hmm. earth. Um, And that because I think that God is the best thing that I can share with anyone. Yeah. Um, So I think it's a, a really fine line to walk, but I also love that the, you know, the point is not to do it perfectly, that there's so much grace for us to mess up and um, get those motives kind of tangled up that, you know, as you were saying, like Jesus isn't going to fall off the throne. If I like, if my motives get a little bit confused uh, Mm. from time to time or, you know, always, but (laughs) (laughs) um, (laughs) like daily. Yeah. So um, it's just interesting to kind of take that focus from um, thinking about the mission um, or any sense of mission that we have as some big thing that I do out there versus turning to see, well, God has already sent me to a place because I am in a place and I'm surrounded by people. Um, And so how do I be faithful with the gifts I've been given in this place where I am? No. Yeah. I think that that is, you know, uh, Jesus did not do a telecast that was broadcast to the entire globe while he was here on earth. He came to earth and he went town to town and he had Mm -hmm. person to person conversations, you know, Mm -hmm. and the impact that he made with direct relationships with people, uh, that's kind of what caused that spread. We now, you know, Christianity is now a global relation uh, or a global religion uh, because that all started from a person going up to people, individuals, and having these conversations and having these uh, healing experiences with people and and saying, displaying how he lives and then, you know, getting down and washing his disciples' feet, just a handful of guys in a room, you know, not in front of a stadium, not in front of all these people. He was in a room with some guys. He was like, hey, here's an act of kindness, an act of service uh, that I'm doing. Go forth and do this to recreate this. And so some of the most meaningful, God-glorifying experiences, I think, can happen and, and moments and and relationships happen uh, just in rooms with people not being uh, broadcast around the world, you know? And and I think that his message, the gospel has spread around the world. And and I think that his message can be spread around the world through different, through movies and books and, and songs and all these things are beautiful. But I think that for the Christian man or woman to really grow in their relationship with uh, God, it can't always be focused out there and just out among the crowds. It's got to, there's got to be this personal cultivation of, I learn to love when I actually pick people that are in eyesight and I love them and I interact with them and, um, you know, being willing to just pause and be like, you know what, maybe I'm going to just talk to the barista today and just see how they're doing and just be kind to the person giving me my coffee or, or, you know what, maybe I'm just going to actually like make eye contact and smile with the person bagging my groceries and just like, what are ways that I can just show a kindness that is unusual? You know, Uh, Jesus Mm -hmm. showed up and was unusual to the people that he was around, you know, and Mm -hmm. the way that he related to people was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that. Oh, okay. And then, and then it was infectious and people started to live like he did. And so what does it look like to, to do that and replicate that just on a day-to-day level? And yeah, so. Yeah. And I think it's interesting too, if you look at the way Jesus used language, I think that um, he obviously taught and preached um, and had these conversations, but he also, you know, told these stories, mm-hmm. um, these like very everyday stories that didn't, you know, necessarily seem like religious in like 
at the right. surface level, you know, the parables um, is what I'm speaking of specifically. You know, if you look at the use of language there and how contextually embedded um, those stories were in uh, for the specific, you know, listeners, and obviously it translates, you know, to our current day, and there's a ton that we can learn from them and get out of them. But if we see them, you know, the way that Jesus spoke to people directly in their context um, and directly yeah. in their lives and the things that they understood, like, oh, I understand what a tax collector is. I understand what a Pharisee is. Yeah. I understand, you know, about farming and, and cultivation. And so I understand all of these kind of little nuanced relationships and the power mm-hmm. dynamics between them. And so when I hear this story, I can hear the message or the truth in a way that um, in a, in a kind of disarming way, which mm-hmm. is, you know, I think a lot of good storytelling is able to do that kind of uh, Eugene Peterson has a great book called tell it slant, um, which talks about this idea of, you know, using storytelling to communicate something that is over, that is every day, but is so common that we tend to overlook it, but it has mm-hmm. vital kind of spiritual implications. Um, sure. And so there's that idea of kind of coming at it from an angle so that people can hear it in a different way. I mean, that is like mm-hmm. a brilliant, creative, you know, kind of method of yeah. communication that Jesus used during his ministry. Right. Um, so I think it's cool for me to notice as a storyteller, and I'm sure for anyone who's a storyteller, whether that's through words or, you know, words on a page or through a, a film um, yeah. or through a song, mm-hmm. um, that there is, you know, that kind of breadth in how this message, how this truth, how this reality can be communicated to kind of go back to your earlier point. Yeah. Um, way back whenever a certain <laughs> amount of time ago <laughs> back in the early days in back the in early the minutes early of the episode minutes <laughs> <laughs> yeah i have a i have a good friend who has a phrase that i just love <laughs> he said uh everything's a sermon it's just that some of them are biblical so like mm-hmm. you know any story that we choose to listen to whether it's a a book or a movie or a show we are being taught something about the way the world works it's just is what we're being taught in line with god's universe and in terms of the the way god has said the world is laid out and 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 the way that god has said the point of life is and 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 what we know to be truth and what we know to be right and wrong and all these things any any movie we choose to enter into is coming from a worldview again and so there's a sermon that we're listening to there it's just is that sermon one that is pointing to jesus or uh pointing to ourselves or pointing to nature or pointing to whatever other, whatever other thing. And and that's what, that's kind of where I'm at too right now is it's just, what does it look like to tell stories that are compelling and also compellingly lead us, leading us back to Jesus? Right. And I think there's a lot to be said for that method. I mean, because that's the one that I use. So, you mm-hmm. know, I obviously think that it is right. great. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> otherwise I would be doing something else. Right. Um, but, you know, I think that there's this, it's, um, it's very subtle and s- in, in some ways. So I feel like, you know, I mean, I'm thinking about, you know, you brought up Lord of the Rings earlier, um, mm-hmm. which we're not going to go too far down the Tolkien rabbit hole <laughs> because I can go there. <laughs> but, um, you know, this idea of, okay, well, as creatives, you know, it's this idea of, of being, of sub-creating, right? That we're, that God has created everything and that we're kind of just taking bits and pieces of that to sub-create um, something that is out of what has God, what God has made. And mm-hmm. so if you think about like the fact that we're all made in the image of God that, and and if you think about creativity, creative work as a spiritual act um, mm-hmm. as something that comes from that kind of deep soul place, which I think that, you know, a lot of um, really good creative work does, um, then there's this like infusion of that, you know, it's this idea of overflow, um, that there's just this infusion of the kind of fingerprint of God and that story, you know, can act as a signpost. And like you said, depending on the person's worldview, that signpost can be pointing towards 
whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Christians writing stories, I think that if we kind of have that spirit-led element to mm-hmm. the work that we do, that it just there's this hope and this um like this supernatural hope that kind of ideally infuses the stories that we're telling, even if things, you know, even if the story doesn't end quote unquote well, um, mm-hmm. even if the story doesn't end like we think that it should, even if it's not told in a way that we think that it should be, um, that it's like those kind of seeds are in there. No. Yeah. I, I, uh, I think that, um, I mean, again, I, we're, I guess it shouldn't turn into a Tolkien show, but I, I know that <laughs> when we hear, you know, the Silmarillion at least talks about how the, the world comes out as a song being sung, right? Hmm. And um, literally something as simple as that is just uh, the idea of just music being this story and this medium and this creating thing and uh visualizing God as this creator God who is singing over us and how intertwined, how we have a whole book dedicated to music, um, you know, smack dab in the middle of our, of our Bible. And, um, Mm -hmm. uh, just, you know, that, I mean, that thought doesn't really connect to anything beyond just, I think it's beautiful using this image of, of song and his own story that then, you know, even in my brain connects me right back to Psalms and just the beauty of music and the power of music to, um, to uh, just take words and notes on a page and turn it into something really beautiful. Mm. Yeah. And I think that also brings up this idea of, you know, us as created beings or, or just the world as a created thing. Um, Was it something that was created out of delight? Mm. Um, Is it, and, and for what purpose were we, created um if you're talking literally this world in which we live or you know with tolkien a world that you're kind of creating Mm -hmm. um you know what what was the intent of the creator um Mm -hmm. and if there wasn't a creator then that you know is its own hill of beans as it were (laughs) um but i think it's you know there is whether the author if we're speaking specifically about a book or even a work of fantasy you know if the author doesn't necessarily do the work to think that through there's it's still kind of there in uh it's just not something they've necessarily done the work to write out explicitly um like tolkien did right we're running a little short on time i would like to kind of hear briefly you know as you've kind of transitioned and move through different ways of thinking about your creative work, there's was probably some elements of disappointment um, throughout that. And there will continue to be um, just because that's part of life. Um, so I'm wondering how you've kind of moved through those or, or dealt with those kind of moments. Yeah, I think there is a time and I think that it can certainly kind of creep back into my mind of just recognizing the times that I feel like I had kind of laid out plans and then things just completely turned to 180 and then ended up, you mm-hmm. know, it's like, um, yeah, I'm going to go off to this art school. Oh, wait, no, all of them suck. And I, you know, this state school actually is the one that sounds like the one that I want to go to. Okay, interesting. Well, all right, I'm going to be here, but I'm just going to get my degree and I'm going to go to LA anyways or whatever. Then it's like, well, no, now I'm actually staying in Columbia and I'm working at this church now. And uh, seeing just the dramatic sharp turns um, that has kind of come along and and what I've been doing and where... um, where uh, my time is going, I think that uh, there's a cynical way of like, what's the point of me even planning to do anything if it's just going to go in another direction, you know? And I think that Mm -hmm. where, uh, um, you know, I think of Satan in the garden coming in and saying, did God really say blank? It's like, did God really say that he wants to give you good things? Because it seems like every time you want a thing, he yanks it in the other direction. I think that's mm-hmm. the kind of narrative that Satan wants to kind of get in there and and say. But the reality is, is it's like when I, like I was saying earlier, it's like I look back on where I was at with colleges and see that God's hand was absolutely in 
you know, uh, warming my heart to Columbia and moving me towards this place that has just been so transformative in my walk with Jesus. I see how every time that my plan turned in a way that I didn't think that it it should, or I was completely confused as to why it was going in a certain direction, uh, I can start to see, and I'm sure new things will be revealed as time goes on, you know, into the future, but it's just like how God has been using that and putting me around people and uh, getting me in rooms where had I gone on my own plan, I would have never met these people. I would have never had these moments. I would have never uh, been exposed to these ideas that have been so transformative and so um, restoring of my heart and so kind of correcting of my kind of uh, broken theology and my broken, my bent, um, where sin was kind of corrupting my view of, of the gospel and my view of, of myself and of God and, and how important all these different, what seemed initially like bumps along the road were actually very intentional ways that God was leading me uh, closer to him and leading me closer to relationship with his son. And I think that now there's this uh, open-handed posture of, it doesn't mean that I can never make plans, but also I'm making plans with an open hand, recognizing that uh, it's God that orders my steps, that I am moving forward knowing that whatever happens, whether it's what I thought I wanted to do or not, um, it is what God knows is best for me and is most glorifying to him. And uh, that is a good thing. Uh, I've learned to kind of start to get uh, cautiously excited when plans take a completely new turn because it's like, I don't get why this is happening, but the good news is, is that God's in control. And so this means that whatever's happening is in the grand scope of creation, which I might not even get to see. Like I might die looking back on my life and saying, I don't know why this, this, and this happened the way that they did. And I don't know why my life went in these directions. But the story that scripture lays out shows us that all of those turns are part of a grand narrative that is ultimately good and glorifying and all a part of uh, Jesus making all things new. And so, you know, I can uh, work towards things and work on projects and, um, you know, move along on a day-to-day basis knowing that God is at the helm. And, you know, while, uh, you know, I, I really, I mean, what it comes down to is just like, is the voice in my head, uh, is it the accuser or the redeemer? You know, Jesus is the yeah. redeemer. He is taking uh, the brokenness of life and making something better out of it and making something pure. And then the accuser is taking the brokenness of life and saying, yeah, well, you're just a screw up anyways, or yeah, well, God doesn't care or see, God doesn't care about your plans at all. God doesn't, God doesn't value you, you know? And so it's yeah. just like, what is the voice I'm listening to right now? And what is the tone here? And just being aware that, um, God only is interested in giving good gifts and God is only interested in um, bringing me what is actually best for me and best for me to be shaped to be more like him. And so I am learning to be more okay with not being certain about what the future holds and I'm learning to be more okay with uh, my life not panning out the way that I thought it would and thought it's quote unquote supposed to because hmm. – I know that when I am in control of my life, things don't go well. And when God is in control of my life, uh, even if in the moment it feels really confusing and wild and chaotic, then when I look over my shoulder, it's like, oh gosh, I see why that happened the way that it did. Or or I see why I needed to, I can start to see the lessons that are learned there. Um, and also, yeah, again, just kind of come into a place where, where, I'm more willing to accept that I'm not going to have all the answers. And it's not even about me being able to recite every year of my life and saying exactly why things happen the way they did. You know, sometimes things are going to happen and it's like, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, but God is good. God is in control. And I know that it is okay that, you know, I'm not on the same page as the, you know, omniscient universe creating outside of time. God. (laughs) That's a good word. Um, well, to wrap things up, I just have two more small questions. One is, um, you know, how can we support you? Where's your stuff located yeah. on the interwebs? Yeah. Well, the stuff that I'm uh, creating uh, right now, again, is is still doing video stuff with YouTube. And then also I kind of have gotten a, getting a podcast off the ground. The the YouTube stuff, um, it, much to my chagrin, uh YouTube has never allowed you to change your actual username. You can just change like your channel name or whatever. So I have mm-hmm. the same 
YouTube username that I had when I made it in the seventh grade, which is this obnoxious. Oh my gosh. It's seven, Mr. Seven, random seven, which is awful because it's numbers and letters and stuff. So what I, what I did with that is I took that URL and I put it into tiny URL. And now I have a tiny URL, which is more simple. It's tinyurl.com slash watch seven, the word seven, not the number seven. So if you put in tinyurl.com slash watch seven, that takes you to my videos. And then uh, the podcast is just called The Heavenly Spectrum. And that's on Hmm. wherever you find uh, podcast stuff, iTunes, Spotify, all that good stuff. Awesome. And all of that will be in the episode description for listeners who are interested. Love it. Um, And last but not least, I would love for you to tell me one thing that's hard right now and one thing that's great. Hmm. Hard is... Well, yeah, it's, I, you think of the, the the tidal wave of things that probably went through my brain reviewing the last few months. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hard is just, you know, I'm in a stage of life where I'm I'm about to move cities. I'm about to join a team that is uh, planning a church in a new city and nothing feels like it's going correct. The, the whole world is shut down and the city we're moving to is even more restrictive than the city I'm in now. And... Mm-hmm. Everyone just feels like they're at each other's throats about all kinds of things. And it just feels like a really scary and chaotic time to be doing the things that I'm trying to do with the rest mm-hmm. of my year. So that is that is hard. Uh, what, is, what is great is uh, a lot uh, simpler and a lot smaller scale. And what is great is just um, walks. I think just putting it as a as a category, walks are, are really great right now because uh, the job that I'm in right now is a social media one. And so I'm just always plugged into the loudest, angriest parts of the digital world mm-hmm. on a day-to-day basis for my job. But yeah. walks allow me to just be in the world that God created, uh, quiet, and just being able to spend time quietly being honest with my creator, with my father about what's really hard and what's really confusing. And just to be reminded that I am heard and that I am loved and that God is watching over me and that it is okay that today and next week and next month are hard and scary because, you know, James talks about God. God is, he has no shadow and variation due to change. You know, the world is changing constantly and God's not. He's constant and he is uh, raining down perfect gifts on his children. And so those kind of realities are really hard to see when I plug into the rest of the world digitally but when i just spend time in creation with with my father i'm reminded of uh the true reality well steven thank you so much for being here yeah thanks for having me this was this was fun you can find steven's youtube channel at tinyurl.com backslash watch seven and on social media at steven j simmons seven his podcast is called the heavenly spectrum If you're a single Christian creative looking for resources to help you thrive, head to marybesafer.com. Thanks for listening. Thanks to Steven. Content editing by Katie Hodge. Sound editing by Andrew Kim. Theme music by Chad Rollinson. That's all for now. See you next time.